film is a sort of dreamscape. You get this kind of groundless passion. That's an interesting phrase. Yeah. Thank you for being with us uh, today. It's a um, it's a privilege for us to be able to like discuss the film with uh, one of the makers in person in London. Uh, it would be great if the conversation was as open as possible. So, like, if you want to interrupt, uh, we have a mic coming your way. So, please ask any question. I will start with a few questions, but uh, do feel free to step in at any point. Um, maybe the first question, of course, like you know, it's such an um, amazing, I mean, incredible piece of work. But like, how, like, just like, how did this come about? Uh, how how did you create the collective, and you know, when did the idea come from? Uh, you know, the process is actually very loose, really. I mean, we do not have this uh, legal uh, entity called Myanmar Film Collectives, you know. It's not <laughs> legally registered association or anything like that. We are basically just a group of uh, people who just love films. Some of us are filmmakers. Some of us, uh, they are not filmmakers per se. They are more like uh, news media, uh, uh, in the news media fields. Uh, some of them are artists, some of them are poets. Uh, so uh, when that happened, uh, naturally we just felt that we should make a movie because uh, we knew that the world global attention is not going to last long. You know, uh, we are not going to make headlines for like uh, years. Uh, uh, we do, you know, we knew that. Uh, but with something like a art walk, in this case, film, it should be a little bit, you know, uh, longer lasting. And we decided to, and and also, you know, uh, it's a little bit uh, easier to reach the uh, wider audience as well. We think. So uh, that's how it came about. We basically uh, got together and decided to uh, eat, you know, uh, make short films, which will ultimately be combined and cut together to uh, make it full. So. And when, at what point did you decide to do this? Like, I mean, it's very interesting the hybrid of, in the film, of course. Like, you know, this mix, as you say, between the short films and that are also based on. An, a reality and 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 the real footage. Like, how did how did this like structure come about, and at what point do you did you decide to like intertwine both fiction and and the real footage? Uh, I think it's pretty clear that we should do hybrid format because uh, we were making films in such a difficult situation. So, in fact, uh, when as we started making film. In February and March, it was easier. We could actually uh, go out in the open and film, no problem. But uh, around the end of March, that's when the crackdown became more brutal. In fact, on the 27th of March alone, uh, the soldiers started killing literally 200 to 300 people in just one day. So we just could not uh, film out in the open anymore. So uh, there are stuff that we wanted to make, but it just simply is no longer, you know, possible to go out on uh, and uh, shoot in the shoot on the streets anymore. So we have to naturally combine the uh, archives. Some of the archives we oh, they are easily available, you know, on the internet. 
in the news. Some of the archives were shot by ourselves, and we decided to go for the hybrid format. Otherwise, uh, we basically just have a bunch of disjointed stories, and the, the end result will probably not be so good. And um, I mean, you're talking about that day where two or three hundred people were killed, and we kind of discussed it before the bar. But like, I was wondering why, according to you, like uh, that that specific you know issue or civil like coup like didn't make it, as you say, like only stayed in a, like foreign media for so little. You know, I don't think the situation has improved much uh, since. And I'm just wondering. Uh, because the film is like serving that purpose of like you know sharing the story like into to maybe to the Western world, but also to wider audiences like across the world. But why do you think like this, like like media don't care about this conflict particularly? Uh, good question. I guess you will have to ask the uh, <laughs> Western media about that, right? Uh, but on the other hand, I understand geopolitically speaking, Burma is not uh, a very strategic country you know, unlike Ukraine or uh, Afghanistan, you know, uh, so. And also, uh, the region has not been a very big priority to the Western government, I mean, ever. Basically, after World War II, the Western <laughs> war basically just forget about war, uh, uh, Southeast Asian region, right? So... Uh, maybe that's part of it, I guess. But of course, on the other hand, that's a you know tragedy uh, that uh, the world doesn't pay too much attention to this issue anymore. But hey, what can you we do? You know, uh, for us, we basically do what we believe that we should do, and we will keep doing it, no matter you know what. Is there any question for? for yeah, there's a question over there. Thank you. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm so sorry. I apologize. Uh, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> so, I, I forgot to tell you guys. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for the film. Um, I had a question about the uh, production of the film as the collective and how you went about sort of organizing the individual short films and whether that there was a kind of overall structure that you discussed or it was very much the, the people who were making the short films could have free reign. So basically, uh, when we make uh, our own short films, we really did not have any rules. Uh, of course, for safety, we decided to make everything anonymous, including hiding the identity of the face of the actors or face of the subjects. Uh, other than that, uh, we had basically, oh, he or she uh, does his or her own thing freely, uh, as far as the safety allows, of course. And then the whole thing came together at the post-production phase. That's when uh, our Dutch partners got involved, uh, uh, Peter Lom and Kirkreen uh, uh, of Van Egret from uh, Sindok Films. Uh, so they started uh, cutting uh, the final film. And there were a lot of, of course, discussion, long-distance discussion between them and us. Uh, and then uh, there's, of course, always like give-and-take process. And uh, yeah, so the, the post-production process took almost 10 months, I believe. And then uh, we had to uh, uh, 
finally we had to you know draw a line sometime or somewhere right okay we needed to make it uh, 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 if we want to make it to Bellinelle then we have to finish everything by that time <laughs> so yeah and of course as a result some of the stories ended up not being included because they came in uh, late and you won the best uh, documentary award in Berlin so it was worth uh finishing that film at the time yeah <laughs> in that aspect we were lucky <laughs> yeah and any other question for now how from a civilian's perspective do you think that social media and the accessibility of cameras has changed the nature of conflict in Myanmar well the social media well okay in Burma uh, you kind of have to understand though Until 2010, internet was a luxury that only a few people could afford. Until 2010, because the SIM cards were prohibitively expensive because the military, former military hunter, uh, took a monopoly on the telecommunication sector. So in order to get a SIM card with the data that we all take for granted, it will cost you the equivalence of $1,000. So until 2010. And then in 2011 onward, they started doing this, uh, you know, so-called democratization process. And they opened up uh, the market more and it became competitive and internet, started, internet usage started booming. But you are talking about the population, 80% of the population who have never, ever used internet in their whole life ever. So... The only thing, sad thing about it is that the only thing they started learning how to use is Facebook because it's, of course, you know, uh, popular and easy to use. They don't know how to use uh, email. They don't know how to use Google or anything like that. They only know Facebook. Uh, so uh, Facebook is basically like the primary communication and primary news source of Burma. Oh, which is not good, actually, but this is what it is. And it actually serves as a, a great organizational tool in that particular movement as well. And in fact, uh, so Burmese uh, resistance, we are still doing a lot of fundraising for the revolution, and it is still on Facebook. We do that. What's the censorship situation like at the moment? And how did it progress? Has it progressed since 2010? Right now, just like in Russia, Facebook is no longer legal to use in Burma. You can now go to jail for using Facebook and Messenger. But of course, we have VPN, right? So uh, you can always uh, uh, go around that issue. But on the book, legally speaking, Facebook, Instagram, Uh, Twitter, everything is illegal in Burma at this moment right now. Was, was everything edited and completed within, within Burma? Each individual films were edited in Burma, and then we sent uh, all these uh, individual pieces to uh, Netherlands, and the whole thing was so kind of like stitched together in Netherlands. They've, they've released, they had an amnesty, didn't they, the... The junta had an amnesty two, three weeks ago. Is that is that a sign of anything? Or 
Uh, th thanks for bringing up. And uh, as you may probably know, among uh, the release of uh, a few thousand political prisoners uh, about uh, a few a few days ago, and one of them was actually the former British uh, ambassador to Burma. Uh, so it's a good news, but uh, I don't want to dampen the mood. You know what they did on the day of the release? They just shell a village, uh, one of the villages. Uh, they were uh, they, the, uh, people were gathering uh, for a child's birthday party. They, they shell the village and they basically kill about twenty, about fifteen people, including that birthday boy. So That's the day that they released these political prisoners. So, as you can guess, how sincere their intention is. So it was because it was a lot of people, right? About six thousand. So it was just a distraction. Was it almost even in order to? Oh yes, definitely. Basically, just a ploy, you know, because uh, they know how the for international media works. You know, they are not completely stupid. Like they know that our former British Prime Minister getting released from jail will make international headline. So why not shell the uh, poor little villages, right? Nobody will care. So what is the current like? Um situation for the civil movement and the, or the spring revolution like do you see any hope or any improvement or any room for 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 the movement to exist or do you think now is like a at a status quo kind of thing uh we finished the film uh very early uh in the uh resistance uh, very early in the armed resistance movement by the time we drew our deadline the armed resistance was only in the infancy but now it has become stronger and much more widespread and uh now in some parts of the country the military cannot even go anymore because the resistance basically control the territory which is a good thing a hopeful thing of course but on the other hand uh the military has responded with much more next much more nasty maneuvers now they are no longer sending the ground infantry infantry they are sending the helicopter gunships and uh, uh fighter jets to basically discriminately bomb the whole village you know uh and also when uh, when they say you are an activist and they want you and they cannot find you, they will arrest your parents or your children as hostage until you turn yourself in. So their uh, military response has become much more nastier. Uh, on the other hand, uh, in the better ground, it's 50-50. You know? uh, in some parts, yeah, we are not doing too well. In some parts, like I said, uh, they no longer can. Uh, uh, they don't even want to send ground infantry anymore because their morale was so low, and they do not want to fight. So they basically end up uh, abandoning their posts. So you know, right now we are basically at the cliffhanger stage. We uh, are we going to win one hundred percent? Honestly, I don't know. But there is a hope. There is a chance, and we are going to take it. Uh, you mentioned that you uh, had raised some money through Facebook, for example, but are there any other specific requests you've made or you're making to you know, the outside world and, and through specific websites or, or media? I mean, what, what are they or where are they to be found? 
There are a couple of initiatives that we are exploring. But you have to talk to the uh, different Burmese groups all over the world, including UK. If you would like to contribute to these causes, you know, you can. I mean, do not ask, do not tell, right? <laughs> uh, uh, most of the contributions are by cash. So they basically uh, organize the events on Facebook. Uh, but some of them you can legally contribute and uh, you, you can see it in GoFundMe and all these uh, crowdfunding websites. These are for humanitarian purposes. So uh, so uh, I would encourage you to basically just Google up, you know, Burmese group in UK or something like that. And you will see like different groups popping up and some of the groups are uh, actually legitimate uh, organizations uh, that are helping out with the uh, revolution. And most of the time, they have the blue marks, uh, authentication blue marks. So, yeah. Hello. Okay. I want to know if you will be showing this film in Burmese diaspora community as well. So JSA will be releasing the film in the UK and we are actually, please do, I mean, I can come and talk to you as well, but like it would be great to hear about like uh, ways to show the film in among communities that you know, are directly represented on screen or like, you know, uh, do more outreach in, in other non-theatrical contexts, you know. Absolutely. I mean, we will be releasing the film in February uh, to, as I, as I mentioned in the introduction, to, to tie in with the two years of the coup. But we are really much hoping to have, um, you know, to, 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 to be able to, like, make the film accessible to whoever wants to see the, see the film in the context of, like, uh, talking about this issue, for sure. What advice would you give a foreigner working in Rangoon on how they can help the situation? Number one advice is be careful, obviously, because right now, uh, as the case of the former British prime, uh, for former British ambassador to Burma, who got arrested, she was not even doing a, uh, any uh, outright, res you know, resistant things. She was basically just living as an expert, working uh, for the NGO projects, but. Just because she is a foreigner who happened to be married to a local artist who were outspoken, she got arrested. Uh, of course, the official charges were some sort of bogus immigration charges, but we all knew it's, you know, BS. Uh, you can help in a lot of ways. There are so many people basically suffering. Uh, you can help out uh, in humanitarian uh, efforts, but again, that is illegal according to the current laws and regulations, so you have to be very careful. And also just be, you know, be kind to uh, your neighbors, because right now the military is raising so many uh, houses because some of the PDF, uh, some of the local resistant members were, you know, like residing in uh, these outskirt neighborhoods. So they were raising all these houses. Uh, thousands and thousands of people have become homeless overnight. That's happening like right now. So as we are speaking, you can physically help out these people in any way you can if you are in Burma. Quite interesting is this like idea of the collective and in what form it exists now. Because of course you have the film and you are still 
very much like touring with the film, discussing the film. But uh, like, what, what, what's, what's next for the collective? Like, is it still? Are you working together, like virtually, physically? What, what are you planning next uh, as a collective? Good news is that uh, the collective is still going very strong, and right now we are making another project, very similar one, but this time we are going to actually be a little bit more leaning toward fictions because some of us have gone out of the country now, so it's impossible for us to do documentary and shooting footages anymore. But what we have is access to the exiled actors and artists who are now residing all over the world, especially in Thailand. So we are making some of the short films in Thailand right now. We are going to stitch these up, just like we do with this film. For that particular project, for that follow-up project, we will actually target more towards showing in the Burmese community to raise fans for the whatever. It's interesting because when you when I rewatched the film today and I was like, it's also a question for you because there are Western productions behind the edits of the film, not to make like the edit of the film, and you kind of said that this film was made for to raise like you know further awareness in like areas where people are not familiar with the topic. So now that you're making another film more for for the Burmese or. Oh, well, for filmmakers, of course, for everyone, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, just the approach uh, in the uh, exhibition strategy. This one is more like a tradition, you know, like we go to festival round, raise the awareness and, you know, and then go to what much wider release. Uh, but uh, for this follow up project, we want to uh, our uh priority is to raise fans so mm. it makes most sense to actually go show it in uh uh go go uh, target it more towards the uh, burmese uh, communities but everyone is welcome obviously mm. you know we make it for everyone not just for burmese um this really wonderful film thank you um i'm just intrigued by the identities are hidden of everybody in the film except the first girl doing the exercise routine when the coup was filmed Um, and I know it was an um, accidental YouTube video, but is, has her identity, is that a problem for her now? And where is she? Is she still there? Or Not at all, because uh, actually, uh, you you remember that uh, the opening shot with that uh, walkout girl and also the elderly woman who were openly confronting the uh, soldiers? They were already openly circulating in the uh, social media and in the news. So for us, I mean, oh, it's basically like free to grab it because it's a public, you know, like uh, in the public domain. And uh, since they are already very widespread, we just do not feel that it, you know, their identities really need to be covered. Yeah, but uh, we do not know what exactly happened to the uh, older woman. But for the aerobic instructor, she is still fine. Yeah. And is it still the case that like the footage is like traveling around? Because you said like Facebook now or is censored. I mean, I don't know if it's uh, still accessible or not. But it's censored. Like, does that footage still uh, make it to like the outside of like uh, Myanmar at the moment? Or in terms of people like collecting or like uh, like an online archive or how how does that process work in, uh, there? 
Well, I'm sure there are some organizations that are actively collecting all these archives, and you will not believe that they are actually literally thousands of archives still pouring out of Burma every day. Uh, so some of them, of course, were censored. Some of them are not. So, yeah, you just have to know where to look. And usually the good sources are Burmese, uh, English language Burmese news like Mizimad and uh, K-H-I-T-T-H-I-D and DVB. So if, if the time frame for making the film had been, because you said the, the situation in Burma has changed a lot, what, would it be possible to have made it uh, in that time frame since it was finished? And how different would it look? I'm sure it's possible. Like I said, you know, like getting footage out of Burma is still not a problem. We still find a way. So it will look, of course, a little bit more differently because the fightings have become more intensified. And, like I said, the crackdown measures have become even nastier. So I think the film will become necessarily more graphic, I believe. I think this is what's going to happen. Because for this one, though, we deliberately actually avoided using a lot of graphic stuff because we are sick and tired of seeing so many uh, graphic uh, things uh, in documentary films. And we want to basically just imply. But... If we do it, like, follow up right now in the documentary style, I think it's unavoidable. Are there many other countries around the world where you're hoping to get this film screened? Actually, uh, you, uh, you see the uh, website at the end, right? MyMyDiaries.com. And also, you can go to the uh, distributor website, Outlook. Outlook. Did I pronounce it correctly? Outlook, yeah. <laughs> I think it's correct. Yeah. Oh, just go to com. It surely has already been shown in uh, dozens of film festivals all over the world, uh, mostly in Europe, but it will be shown in Singapore this Sunday. And it was shown in Hong Kong a few days ago. Yeah, in Hong Kong. I was surprised. <laughs> Are you optimistic about the situation in Myanmar, generally? Generally, as I already mentioned, it's 50-50 right now. But there is now a chance to topple this military regime that has been taking over the country since 1962. And we have this fighting chance to secede. A fighting chance. And we must grab it. You know, uh, we feel like uh, Avengers going against Thanos, but the, but Doctor Strange said, right? When, right? Right now, this is that moment, and we are taking it. And we are taking advantage of it, and we are trying to succeed. So, let's see. Sorry, this is less of a question and more of just a noticing, but it's really nice to come to one of these kind of documentary style things and see that the money and the cause is going back to where it like what what the film is about and it's something that I think a lot of like political documentary films they look at shedding the light and it feels like you're doing something here that's a lot more than that and that's really amazing thank you so much thank you yeah we try you know <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll wrap up here after all this question. Thank you so much for 
your generosity being here and coming to London, of course. And thank you so much for coming here as well. <laughs> And uh, go England. <laughs>